how many people had just like the best week ever this week? Okay, me too. <laughs> me too. Um, you know, I, it's obvious like Gilligan, like every episode's kind of the same storyline. Really, Gilligan always has the bad day. Uh, and I feel like from time to time, uh, we have really rough weeks. Um, I don't know if anybody else is, is there, but I had a, a really sort of like one of those sort of all time, like goes in the memory of like one of the worst weeks. So um, I feel like that's kind of how Peter is in this passage. I mean, right before this story that Ed read, uh, Peter says, you know, uh, Jesus, you are Lord, and he gets it right. Like he gets the, you know, the blue ribbon, he gets Jesus's praise. And then the next thing you know, Jesus is calling him Satan. Uh, and I think sometimes that's just, that's just life, and, you know, Peter's having a bad day. Um, and the question of this passage, I think, is, you know, what, what does that have to do with the way of Jesus? Uh, and I think this passage kind of gives us a little bit of a, a clue into what that means just as uh, disciples, what it meant for Jesus' disciples, and then what that means for us as uh, disciples of Jesus uh, today, and I think the answer is, is pretty clear, and it's actually kind of disturbing, if we're really honest. Um, it's not really the answer that we would probably like from Jesus. It's not the easy answer. Um, you know, in, in most verses, um, you know, Jesus, I mean, most versions of the Bible, Jesus says something along the lines of, you know, take up your cross and follow me. What a shocking statement for, for any person to hear, much less a a disciple of Jesus in the first century, where uh, Rome was frequently crucifying people um, out of their uh, out of their state of power and just exerting their their will uh, of oppression on anybody that stood in their way. Uh, and Jesus says, you know, take up your cross and follow me. Or as Ed read in the message, you know, don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. You see, Peter, in this passage, he doesn't really want to talk about suffering, right? Jesus says, you know, I'm going to have to die. It's just what's going to happen. The empire is going to kill me. And Peter's like, no, no, don't do it. You know, no, master, it's not going to happen. You're not that kind of Lord. He doesn't want to, to really look at the situation for what it is which is a really difficult situation that's going to involve some really bad weeks ahead. Um, some suffering, both for Jesus and then both for the community of Jesus followers that just happen to be along the way. And it's weird that Jesus says, you know, you must be willing to, to lose. There's this paradox that actually in losing yourself in, in the difficult weeks, that is kind of where God shows up. It's kind of where you discover your true self. Um, but we must be willing to lose first, and that's not a thing that's very popular in our culture today. We're, we're a, a competitive culture. We, are, we love our professional sports. Uh, you know, when I was a, when I was a little kid, I, I was very competitive. I'm still pretty competitive, but I was, I was competitive from day one, and I remember when I was about four and I started playing competitive soccer, uh, my dad's parents my grandparents made a sweet deal, five bucks for every goal I scored. Woo, four-year-old, five bucks for every, every goal? Are you kidding me? I will go out there and I will. So what I did was I ended up stealing the ball from my teammates so I could make money. 
So I would go, like, just steal the ball from my teammates, take it down the field, and score. And I realized uh, my coach pulled me aside, very early age, said, you know, that's really not, you're not being much of a team player here. Uh, you can't just steal the ball. I'm like, well, what's the problem? We scored, we won, what's, what's the deal? Um, you know, we like, I know, I was total ball hog, yeah. But I was, I was rich, and my grandparents decided that five bucks was like way too much money per goal. They were like, that's out like 40 bucks, what's the, what's the deal? All right, so, you know, we don't like to, we don't like to lose. No one likes to, to lose. So this idea that Jesus says, you know, you have to lose your life in order to gain it, oh, we really want to, like, talk our way out of that one and try to, like, explain it that Jesus is really actually saying something else here, that he's really not actually wanting us to lose our lives, um, that he's really not wanting us to, to be failures. Um, but I think if we really take this passage seriously, we have to really grapple with the fact that uh, what Jesus is asking us into is bad weeks and really difficult times. Um, the way of Jesus for literally his life was the way to, to the cross. Um, spiritual teacher, a uh, guy that I love, Richard Rohr, says uh, that we all have to lose at something. Eventually there will be a situation that we cannot fix, control, explain, change, or even understand. We will be led to the edge of ourselves and no longer able to depend on what we know or what we uh, can do. It will feel like losing everything, but we will also be, be at the beginning of a spiritual adventure that will lead us into a deeper, more meaningful life. You see, we must be willing to lose, we must be willing to let go in order to actually follow Jesus, I think, into the depths of grace. Uh, there's a famous quote from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, uh, in which he talks about these ideas, what he calls cheap grace and, and costly grace. And I'll, I'll read just a little bit of this. Cheap grace means grace sold on the market. Sacraments, the forgiveness of sin, consolations of religion are thrown away at low prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessings with generous hands, asking questions or fixing limits. Grace without price, grace without cost. The essence of grace, we suppose, is the account has been paid in advance, and because it has been paid, everything can be had for nothing. Since this cost is, can, everything can be had for nothing. Since the cost was infinite, the possibilities of using and spending are infinite. What would grace be if it were not cheap? Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without, the church, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus, living and incarnate. Costly grace, he says, is the treasure hidden in the field for the sake of it. A man will go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price, to buy which a merchant will sell all of his goods. It is, the, it is the rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a person must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, it, it, and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a person his or her life. It is grace because it gives 
us the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin, and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. Ye were bought at a price, and what has cost God that much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did, didn't reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. This makes me think of uh, John chapter 1, where uh, Eugene Peterson in the message writes, uh, the word uh, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory. Like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. One of my favorite theologians, Jürgen Moltmann, says about just the cost. He writes a lot about the suffering of God. So if you ever want to know uh, or are interested in exploring uh, what uh, theologians think about God's solidarity with human suffering, Jürgen Moltmann's a, a pretty good person to go to. And in one of his books, he writes, the God of freedom, the true God, is not recognized by his power and glory in the history of the world, but through his helpness, helplessness in his death on the scandal of the cross of Jesus. I think Christianity holds space, quite a lot of it, for bad weeks, because the way of God is actually a way of weakness. And it is a scandal of God's grace and God's love for people that results ultimately in Jesus' death by the Roman Empire. And for us, you know, life is difficult. Life is, is risky. And this risk that God made and Jesus invites us into, invites us to, to follow him through the taking up of our cross. And the way of Jesus is costly because there are, no, there are no guarantees in life other than that, other than what we, we receive in the person of Christ. And I think that's both maybe the most beautiful thing and one of the roughest things to really, um, to really stomach. So it's not in our uh, ability to score soccer goals or just to make it through another day, to get through traffic, to get another job promotion or, or graduate from school. Um, it's not about the stuff that we, we buy that we assume and, and really think that that next iPhone 8 is really going to make our life easier. Because <laughs> I know it's going to make my life easier. It's definitely going to make Dwayne's life easier. Um, I mean, we have more technology as a culture, obviously, than any society in history, and yet, we are so unsatisfied. We are so un unsatisfied. Our lives are not necessarily more convenient. They're more complicated. And I think we're more empty, maybe, than ever. Um, perhaps, as Jesus is saying, we've been trying to, to gain the world, and we've actually been losing ourselves all along. Don't run from suffering, he says. Embrace it. Follow me, and I will show you how. The way of Jesus, unfortunately, sisters and brothers, is the way of the cross. That's what happened. It is self-sacrifice, and it is vulnerability, even to death. Grace on grace on grace. Life following Jesus is a frustrating roller coaster. It really is. Uh, it's full of bad weeks, like really bad <laughs> weeks. 
I think on my good weeks, I might be like Peter in the, in the last week's story, you know, identifying Jesus as Lord, and we're all proud of, like, where we stand and being a follower of Jesus, and then three hours later, you know, you're being called Satan, right? Later, Peter even denies Jesus, if you remember that story. He even denies that he, that he knows Jesus. Um, and yet Peter, after Jesus' death and resurrection, continues living the way. And ultimately, he continues to live the way of Jesus, even to his own murder. Peter had bad weeks and good weeks and bad weeks and then more bad weeks. And he understood something about Finding the weakness and the vulnerability of God is actually where we actually find our true self. So if you've had a bad week, like Gilligan, or me, know that you just might be following the way of Jesus. It might just be a little self-sacrificial. And that in your weakness, God's love and grace grow stronger and deeper within you than ever before. And it is through losing that we gain Christ. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you, uh, even in the midst of uh, difficult times, bad weeks. We thank you for um, leading the way and then asking each of us to, to follow wherever you go. Uh, we thank you and we are grateful that um, it is through this way of following you that we actually find our true selves, the deep love and grace that you embed in the hearts and minds of each person here. We're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can stand to your feet. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you. Stand.